have a glimpse in Revelation. We have a glimpse in Isaiah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is, who was, and who is to come. But I've always imagined that we'll be singing a song like that in heaven um, with a heavenly choir. We, because we sing for our risen king. Um, so choir, thank you for that, for that reminder of who our Savior is. If you have your copy of God's word today, please turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, and we will be spending the next three weeks together in and on the Great Commission, the Great Commission. And you might say, well, why there? Um, I can think of no more appropriate place to begin our service together here at Bethel than where Jesus Christ left off, the Great Commission, his last words. And we just want to thank you, my wife and I and, and our kids, for those of you who have welcomed us who have prayed for us in this transition, who have come to our house and unpacked our boxes, um, who have cooked for us, not even knowing what we like, um, the countless thoughts and prayers that we have, we want to say thank you guys. We, we greatly appreciate that. We have been overwhelmed with gratefulness and gratitude from you, and, and we just have felt your welcome. And it is not superficial. We have felt a true welcome from you, so thank you for that um, on behalf of our family. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16, Jesus says this. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, final words are important. Last words are treasured. They can bring hope. They can bring comfort. They can also bring admonition. I've had the privilege and the tragedy in our, my life of being at the, the deathbed of several people or several people who have called me in and say, Pastor, just come say goodbye. Some people I knew, some people I didn't, some people I love very much. Just to encourage me and to give me their last words. I had a lady tell me one time, she said, Josh, I want you to know you're my guardian angel. And I said, well, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And then I remember one time this lady pulled up in the parking lot in case you know who I'm referencing, she knows this episode. And she was low in her blood sugar and was going to go into some type of medical emergency. And I happened to drive by and pulled in the church parking lot and was able to help her and get her to where she needed. And on her deathbed, the one person she called, she said, I want to talk to Josh and tell him how much I'm thankful for him of being there. I still remember that conversation 10 years later. The last words are important for us. Here's some famous last words. And not all of these can be verified, but these are definitely the traditions that come behind them. Born in 1755, Marie Antoinette was married at an early age and began really to be the symbol during the French Revolution of excess. Well, they pulled her in front of the court, tried her, executed her. 
Her last words were this, as she is going to the guillotine, she stepped on the executioner's foot. And her last words were, pardon-moi, monsieur. So what's your excuse for being rude, right? Excuse me, sir. Leonardo da Vinci, the famed artist of the Mona Lisa, the Last Supper, and numerous other inventions, tradition has it that he proclaimed this on his deathbed, his last words. I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Brad told us last week that he's still working on a painting. You and da Vinci are in good company. I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. The famous TV cowboy, John Wayne, said this in his last words. He turned to his wife and said, of course I know who you are. You are my girl. I love you. And then John Knox, a famous Protestant reformer, declared on his deathbed, live in Christ, die in Christ, and the flesh need not fear death. I don't know what my last words will be. I, I pray that they're that impactful, but we do know what Christ, what some of his last words were. Look again in verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Let's pray. Father, may we be people who recognize your authority. Lord, we don't give you authority we don't take away your authority, but Lord, may we recognize it because you have all authority in our lives. Father, if there is anything in us that is preventing me, this congregation, from serving you, but if we have a habit, a hurt, or a hang-up, Father, we have not given over to the, the glorious risen Savior. Father, may today be that day that we give you authority. We recognize that authority in our life. Father, not, may we not only recognize your authority, but may today be the day that we fully submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, if you would leave your Bibles open, we are going to look together the remainder of our time at verse 17 and 18. And the question that really ruminates with us is this, why would Jesus, with everything he could have left us with and left the disciples with, remind us of his authority? He didn't tell the disciples he loved them. They knew that. He didn't remind them, by the way, I'm God. They knew that. Why would Jesus remind the disciples and ultimately remind generations of followers that he has all authority? The answer probably is he knew that we would have issues with authority. And we say, you're, you're Lord, you're Savior, but you know what? Don't mess with this. And we all have that. It could be your wallet. It could be your family. It could be substances you struggle with. It could be neighbors you don't get along with. We all have that thing in our life where we say, you are king of kings, but you're not king of that. And Jesus looks at us and says, Josh, don't you know that all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth? 
So why, Lord, do you remind us of your authority? First, he reminds us because of this. Look at verse 18. Jesus came and he did what? Jesus came and he spoke. Now, why is that important for us? Well, what's the context here? The context is these believers, these disciples who are hearing this, the last time they saw Jesus was where? If you turn your Bible to the left, like mine, on the cross. So the last words that some of the disciples have heard have been what? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is not a cry of power, is it? We worship Jesus, and his last words are, my God, my God, why? And Jesus comes in verse 18, and he speaks to them. He says, all authority. And maybe you're here today and you struggle with the exact same thing that disciples struggle with. You say, I know that, that he is Lord, but I struggle with doubt. I wanna tell you that you're in good company and that Jesus Christ can change that doubt. Look at verse 17. When he saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And you might say, well, I struggle with doubt sometimes. Even the disciples struggled at sometimes with doubt. Look at chapter 27. Why would Jesus remind them that the cross is power, is victory, and dominion? Because here's what happened on the cross. Verse 29, chapter 27. Because some people look at the cross and say this. The cross is not powerful, it's weak. The cross is not victory, it's foolishness. Verse 29 of chapter 27. When they had twisted the crown of thorns on his head and they put a reed in his right hand, they bowed the knee before him and they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Why would they do that? Because they were mocking his authority. Jesus, if you're going to the cross, then show us what power you have. Show us this authority, king. Look at verse 39, same chapter. Those who passed by the cross blasphemed him and they wagged their heads. And they said, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. As if they were saying, what authority do you really have? Now, why would they choose the words, save yourself, we might ask? What does Jesus mean? You remember when the heavenly host came and said, you will name him Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. The word was saying, Jesus, right? The one who saves, show us. Save yourself if you're powerful. Verse 42 he saved others. Himself he cannot save if he is king. If he is king. Verse 44, even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now think about that. 
On the cross, we know how difficult it would have been to even breathe. And these robbers were using their breath to mock the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Unless we say, well, I would never do that. Look at your life. Look at my life. Why would Jesus remind us of his authority? Because if we're not careful, we look at the cross and say, victory, I don't see it. Power, I don't see it. Lord, where is it? But let me remind you of this. Matthew 27, again. That after Jesus died on the cross and people wagged their heads, people wagged their tongues, robbers wagged their tongues, people mocked him with a crown of thorns. People, we don't get it sometimes, right? But creation gets it. I love God's word, what it says, verse 51. When Jesus died in weakness and in struggle and mockery, behold, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth quaked, rocks were split, graves were opened, bodies of the saints had fallen asleep or raised. They came out of the graves after his resurrection. They went into Jerusalem, the holy city, and appeared to many. And these seasoned military professional centurions said, truly this was the Son of God. Why would Jesus tell us, all authority has been given to me? Because in the cross, we have victory, power, and dominion. All authority has been given. We need that reminder sometimes, don't we? Because today, Sundays, we get charged up, Jesus, 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 and then the alarm hits tomorrow and we say, Jesus, where are you? Where's your power? Where's your victory? He also reminds us he has power because of this. Look at verse 18. Not just why he has power, where that comes from, but verse 18, Jesus came and spoke, saying, all power. He shows us the extent of his authority. The extent of his authority. How powerful is our Savior? Verse 18. All. All. Just one word. And that hits home to us because our son started cubbies this week. And the letter is A. And the word for the week is all. As in all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sometimes it only takes one word to change our lives. And Jesus comes and says, by the way, in case you wonder, you know how much power, the extent of my power, disciples, you who are doubting right now, all, all power has been given. This is why the scriptures can say all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created, John 1, 3. This is why we can sing that the old hymn, some of you might know this, all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voices with us sing. All creatures, why? Because our Savior has all power. This is what Jesus leaves us with. All authority has been given. He shows us this very clearly in his word. His power is in the cross. To those who are perishing, it is foolishness, but to those who are being saved, it is glorious. The extent of his power is everything. It is all. Not only that, look where his power comes from. 
All authority has been given to me. Now, Jesus doesn't exactly tell us where, but Matthew does. So where does Jesus Christ get his authority? I know several places where it is not. One, he does not get his authority from Satan. You say, well, why, why did you say that, Pastor? Why would you say he doesn't give it, get it from Satan? Because in Matthew 4, 8, Satan takes, who is very real, by the way. If you say, well, Satan's just some literary creation. He's some guy with a pitchfork that comes out on Halloween. You are fooling yourself, and he has you right where he wants you. Satan is as real as you and I are real. Satan brings Christ to a very high mountain in Matthew 4, 8, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. In verse 9, he says to him, I will give you all these things if you will bow down and worship me. Now hold that thought, because we're going to end today on how do we exercise God's authority. How do we respond to God's authority? Satan gets it. Satan says, Jesus, give me authority and worship. And you know what Jesus says? For those of you here on Wednesday night, a very simple phrase, go away. Some of our parents here know that phrase, right? You get so frustrated, go away. But here's the power of our Savior. He can look at Satan and go away. And you know what Satan has to do? Go away. And so if you're being bothered, say, Satan, get just, Satan will not leave me alone. Have you just looked at him and said, because of the power of Christ living in me, not my authority, go away. And Satan, you did it then and you have to do it now. Satan does not give Christ his authority. St. Augustine says this, the cross is the devil's mousetrap and he took the bait. He took the bait. Not only does Satan not give Christ his authority, verse 18, you do not give Jesus his authority. You do not give Christ authority. You might say, well, this is my life. I'm gonna do with it what I want. Sorry to break that to you. You did nothing to bring yourself into the world. You will do nothing to bring yourself out of the world. Jesus Christ, verse 18, has all authority in heaven and on earth. And by the way, that means of me and you guys. You and I do not give Christ his authority. Thankfully, the world does not give Jesus Christ his authority. This is why John 17, John 3, 17 tells us, God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, that the, that the world might be saved through him. You say, well, that sounds familiar. Well, you probably know verse 16. Right? For God so loved the world, but the world does not give Jesus his authority. He already has it. The question is, have you recognized it? Have we recognized the authority of Jesus Christ in our life? He also reminds us of authority for this reason. Verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. No one can make that claim unless they are God. Only God himself can say, I have all authority. And Jesus Christ is reminding us that he is God. And if you, 
If you struggle with that, just turn to the book of John, the gospel of John and begin reading in verse one. And in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word, John is very clear, the word was and is God. Who's the word? Jesus Christ is God. He was not a prophet. He was not created by God. He is not a lesser God. Jesus Christ is God. And to make him anything else is to devalue the power of his resurrection. All authority, only God himself can say that. And lastly, Jesus reminds us of his authority in this way. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's where we are. He is king of kings. He is king of kings. I love the song. It's an older song now. But it says, he is Lord of heaven and Lord of earth. He is Lord of all who live. He is Lord above the universe. All praise to him we give. The refrain in that song is, we will glorify the king of kings. We will glorify the lamb. We will glorify the Lord of lords, who is the great I am. Jesus Christ is reminding us that he is king. But here's the beauty of our Savior. He is not a king that died on the cross, ascended into heaven and said, good luck. Youth, peace out. And that's probably even outdated now, right? But that's not how our Savior works. He is not an absent king. He is king. And sometimes we say, well, well, Lord, I just look around and there's, we prayed over those who have cancer in our, in our body of faith this week, who are struggling with, with Alzheimer's, with early dementia, and just personally, that is one of the most devastating diseases we have on the planet right now. Of AOS, and we, we look at some that, that are in war right now, fighting for our freedoms. We look at families torn apart and we say, if Jesus is king, how can he let this happen? He's on his throne. He loves you. He cares for you. He is not an absent king. He is not slow as some think of slowness, but he is patient, wanting none to perish, none. He is king of kings. And if you are struggling with your life and you say, I, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but I just struggle with parts of my life. I don't see his power. It is there Trust him. He is the great king. Why would Jesus leave us and remind us of his authority? Because he is God. He is king. He shows us that he has all power, all dominion on heaven and on earth. So how do we live that out? You might say, well, that's awesome. He is king. He has power. How do we live that out? Glad you asked. Verse 16 and 17. The 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, this is how they respond. They worshiped. And you might say, that's awesome because I have, I have worshiped this morning. I am doing what I should be doing. I have fulfilled that requirement. Not exactly. Not exactly. The Greek word worship here, proskuneo, means this, 
especially in the Persian society, it is signified by one falling on their knees. Hopefully I can get back up after I do this. And bowing their head to the, and touching the ground with their forehead. That's what the word means. Proskuneo. It didn't say sing, tithe, be friendly, put on your Sunday best. The Persian understanding of worship in this cultural context would have been, I'm going to bow my face to the ground. In the New Testament times, it also represented kneeling or prostration as an expression or respect of supplication. So how do we respond to the authority of God by worship? How do we worship? Our worship is more posture than events. Right? Worship then, by the definition of the word, is more about your posture than an event. It's hard to schedule worship. We do that because we live in a Western society where we have to schedule things. Because if we don't schedule worship, we're not going to do it. We're not going to join together. But if I am not worshiping on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday with my face before my creator, I haven't done much today. And you might say, well, that's a horrible message, Pastor. You made me feel bad. The hope is that that can change because Christ has the power to change us. How do we respond to the authority of Christ? It is by our worship. How do we respond in worship? By bowing our face to the ground. And you might say, well, I don't know if I can bow and get back up like you did. Symbolically, are we bowing our lives? Is there something in your life where you said, I don't know yet if I am going to give that in worship? I, I just don't know... I, I, Finances are a little tight. I just don't know. My, I love my kids. I just don't know. I don't want them to be missionaries. I don't want them to go here. I love the life I have. I'm comfortable kind of sitting and watching. Lord, I just don't know. Maybe God is not asking us to sacrifice that, but maybe God wants to know if you're willing to sacrifice. Go back and read the sacrifice of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, would you sacrifice the son of promise? Lord, I will. And before I raise my hand and say, Lord, I'm going to do that with my firstborn son, maybe we need to have a, a, a gut check. And Abraham spent days orchestrating this, preparing this, walking his son up to the mountain and saying, Lord, are you sure about this? I know you're not a God of, of death, of destruction, but Lord, if you've called me to this, Lord, I will sacrifice. And the Lord said, that's it, that's enough. But Abraham, I needed to know if you were willing. And Abraham, more than God knowing if you're willing, Abraham, I want you to know if you're willing. Are you willing to worship him? In 1992, a man named Peter Watling called a friend together to look for a lost hammer in the backyard. So he, he bought a metal detector and he as he was looking for his hammer, he found a treasure chest and they began to look through that treasure chest and they found spoons and knives and other valuables. Well, they called the British Museum of Art in 
And when they appraised that treasure, the British Museum of Art actually had to call external donors to raise enough funds to buy the treasure from Peter. And if you wondered, they also bought the hammer, the hammer's in the museum today. But Peter didn't really know what he was looking for. He was looking for the hammer, but the treasure was there all along. And I have to believe there's someone here that's, that's come in to worship and you didn't know what worship might be or you're struggling. You've come in here for the hammer. Say, I want something to use. Lord, use me. I want the power. And God has said, but you missed the treasure. But fear not, the treasure's here is Jesus Christ. Are you willing to bow your life and worship? This is how we respond to the King of Kings. We cannot worship what we do not know. Maybe you've come in here, verse 17, and when you saw Christ, when you heard about Jesus because of the struggles of the world, you doubted. And maybe you've brought those doubts in here today. I just want to calm those fears because if Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and I believe he is, and he has all authority over heaven and earth, if we bring our doubts to him like the disciples, Jesus says, by the way, I have authority over those doubts. Be gone. So if you have come in here broken, I'm going to ask that you submit that to Jesus Christ. How do we respond to his authority? By worship and by submission. What is submission? It is the action or fact of accepting or yielding to someone and yielding our will to another person. Jesus Christ will not force his authority upon you. But before you think that's a, a blank check to do what you want, God's word also reminds us that there will be a day where every knee in this place and every knee outside of this room will bow. Mine, yours, the greatest saint and the greatest sinner. And by the way, most of us are in that sinner category. Actually, the Bible says we all are. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why Lord? Because that is the name of authority. Have you submitted to that authority? Well, well, pastor, I want to, but how can I? The Bible says that Jesus Christ died on the cross and let people mock him. He let people wag their head. He let robbers mock him, curse him. And yet he still looked at one of those robbers and thieves and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Surrender to my authority. If you have brought sin in here, know that the only place of forgiveness is the cross of Jesus Christ. If you have not surrendered to Christ, if you have not looked at him and said, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world, maybe you came in here and said, Jesus, you saved others, save yourself. I want you to know he can save you. Won't you let him? Won't you submit to that today? He can look at your fears. If you submit and replace your fears with peace, the Bible actually calls that the peace that transcends all understanding. 
which means this physically, that Jesus can give us peace and we can say, where does that come from? And Jesus looks at us and says, I have the authority. I have the authority. Will you let him acknowledge that authority in your life? Jesus has the power and the authority to look at death and say, death, where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? Literally, our Savior can look at hell and say, I've been there. I've done that. I took away your power. And by the way, as Satan is a real thing person, hell is a real place. And I really don't want you to go there. Jesus Christ doesn't want you to go there either. He actually died on the cross that you have to cross over his dead body on the way to hell. Because he laid it down for us. Won't you submit to him? Jesus says this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Do you believe today? We're gonna have a time of invitation. Know that whether you acknowledge his authority or not, he has it. But if you give him your fears and your struggles, he can replace that with power and strength. If you give him your sin and your death and your destruction, he can replace it with eternal life. Maybe you're here and you just have bad relationships in your life and you say, God, I struggle with that relationship. I have a horrible job. And Jesus says, I'll carry you through that. Don't you think I have power in that? Don't you think I have authority? He does. Thank the Lord he does. Let's pray together. Father, our Savior, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for sinners such as me. Lord, the Apostle Paul says that he is the chief of sinners. Lord, we can echo that. We are the chief of sinners. But our Savior died to forgive us of our sins and purify us from, for all unrighteousness. Lord, I thank you that your word promises us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will, shall be saved. Lord, if there is someone here that is struggling with their sin, that they are living in sin, Father, may today be the day that you break that, that they find forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's a believer here, a follower that's struggling with giving you full control, Lord, may today be that day where they bow their head and worship. They open their life up and say, Lord, it's yours. Father, we acknowledge your authority. We proclaim the power of Christ over sin and death. Lord, use us for your name's sake. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'll be down front to counsel with you, to pray with you. We're gonna have a time to respond to the Lord. Maybe you've been here and waiting in the shadows, said, who is this? I'm waiting for the new pastor before I serve here. Time's up. Maybe today is a day where God is calling you to finally join this church and say, I wanna plug in here to reach this community for Jesus Christ because we are going to carry the whole gospel to the whole person to the whole world. Won't you be a part of that? Maybe you're here today and you need to actually worship for the first time. 
you need to come to this altar and you need to bow your forehead to the ground and say, Lord, symbolically it's yours, I'm tired. I make a horrible king, but thank God I know who the king is, the true king, Lord, it's yours. Won't you respond to our savior today? I'll be down front to pray with you. We have counselors that will come forward to pray with you, but do not miss a chance to respond to our savior today.